Let me go to the Lord in prayer and let's get back into our covenants today. We're talking about the Davidic covenant today. Father, we love you. We thank you so much, God, for this opportunity to be in your house. Thank you for the way that people worshiped you today, God. Lord, we serve an awesome God who's worthy to be praised, worthy to be worshiped, and worthy to be honored. And God, we just praise you, God, for your, your goodness, for your power. God, for your keeping power, your saving power. Thank you for the covenants, Lord, and the one we're coming up to, the new covenant, God. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the new covenant. And God, just how much was, how much forethought, how much uh, wisdom, how much, uh, God, energy, how much, uh, Lord, um, foresight was put into the plan for our salvation. It wasn't an afterthought, God. It was, uh, it was done before the foundation of the world. And we're so grateful. And it's so neat to see these pillars, God, that have been established. And then, Lord, uh, the, 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 the old that was uh, going to eventually vanish away and make way for the new. And God, we're almost there. We're almost to, to this will be the last one. And we'll see the folding up of these covenants and the glorious coming of the new covenant that is uh, all these in Christ. And it's just going to be amazing. And so, Lord, just speak to us today, God, about the, the king, the king that is, that, is, that is being established in the world forever. And God, we're so grateful for the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And we just ask you to speak to our hearts today and change our lives through the, through the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. Today we're going to talk about the Davidic covenant. We're going to talk about David's descendants will rule forever, for rule and reign forever. And something interesting as we get started, the Davidic covenant is the only covenant made in the promised land. All these other covenants we've studied have been outside of the promised land. They've all been building up to this, to, to, to God bringing mankind back into this Edenic uh, a relationship where he walks with man again. That's what he's after. He's after taking us back to this Edenic relationship and he has promised through Abraham. What did he tell Abraham? Leave your country. Leave your, I want you to leave your country and I'm going to send you. I'm gonna, I want you to get out of your country and from your kindred and from your father's house and I want you to go into the land that I'm taking you to. And we're going to see that today. We're going to see that in this covenant where Finally, they're coming into this land that's been promised. Three million. We, 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 well, we'll go back and recap. Go to the, go to the first slide and uh, let's look at this. Uh, on the, on the, uh, if you remember, we started out with the Adamic covenant and the covenant of works that we talked about, how God was going to... This is really the... He's establishing pillars, as you'll see in the next slide in a minute, how He's establishing these pillars, that, that these covenants that are going throughout the ages that are going to come to this final covenant. And, and so we see that, that uh, we're man will once again walk with God and he'll rule as God uh, told him to rule back in the garden. That's what he wants. He wants him to come back to a right order and rule as he was supposed to rule in the garden. And so uh, Genesis, we said he told him to get out of the land and he's going to bring him into the promised land. And we see that he establishes it. the very first covenant that we looked at in week one was the Adamic covenant. It was a covenant of works. And we know there was simply uh, Adam was told to teach in the garden. He was told to keep the garden. He was to keep this covenant. He, was, he had everything he needed to, in, to, to, to preserve it and keep it. And sadly, just this one, this one command he was given to guard and to keep and to protect. And uh, he, he failed in that. He failed it to keep that one commandment. He broke it, the Bible says. And then immediately we saw where God had the Noahic, Noahic, Noahic covenant came in. It was a covenant of grace covenant would cover over the sins of mankind. A thousand or so years go by, wickedness is spread all over the earth after they were kicked out of the garden. Sin increased and we see that it just began to rule and take over the earth and then all of a sudden God said, you know what, you can't continue but I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll send my grace to save the world. And so He, he established a covenant of 
There's nothing that man can do for this except just uh, get into that ark of safety. Believe on the promise and get into that ark of safety and God will buoy them up. He's going to destroy the old world. And that's the same thing with us in Christ. He has destroyed the power of sin. Our old life, He will take it and just cover it with His blood and He'll wash it away and He'll bring forth a new life and He'll, he'll it'll be life that's uh, by His grace. And so then we came to the next covenant that was the covenant it was the promise of a seed that would come and that he would uh, he would uh, begin to uh, take this seed uh, in the Abrahamic covenant and from this one would come a, a nation and they would come into the land you remember it would come down through uh, Isaac the Bible would tell us the promised seed and 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 when they come into the land there are three million now out of that one out of that one seed we've come to a people of three million when they come into the promised land which shows God keeps his covenant promise Promises. God does exactly what He says. He honors His covenants. And then we come to the pillar four or the Mosaic covenant. And that's where God gave the law. He had to establish these things eternally. He's going to establish His Word so that my Word will last forever. And we know that He does, he does this in Christ. That Christ is the Word of God. The Word is Christ. In the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God. And the Word was God. So we see that Adam held the Word of God lightly. And so God had to come and establish His Word. And his law was, 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 came and it was tough and it was strong, but he had to establish his word forever. And we know that when you broke that law, it came with the wrath of God. Uh, but, but the beautiful part is God immediately came in and, he, and, and through the Aaronic t uh, covenant, we saw the temple of mercy. We saw where through the priesthood of Aaron, he's going to establish a priest. He's going to establish a prophet. He's going to establish a king. And through this Aaronic priesthood how he was going to come and establish mercy uh, where where the law demanded uh, the, this wrath. Uh, God says, no, but I'm going to give you my mercy. I'm going to establish mercy forever. And I'm going to absorb this wrath. And it's going to be done through atonement. I'm going I'm to make atonement with this covenant of mercy. And we know that's ultimately seen. And you'll see next week how all these culminate into Christ. He does away with the old and they're all perfected in Christ. It's this new covenant that is better than the old covenant. That is more glorious than the old covenant. Moses' face shone through the old covenant of works. How much more glorious will the eternal, everlasting covenant of Christ shine in us who now is Christ in us, the hope of glory. What kind of glory is going to radiate out of us in the new covenant? Amen? And then, so we see pillar number five was the Aaronic, the priest. And Jesus fulfills all three of those. He is prophet. He is priest. And then today we're going to look at king. He is king. He is king and he's ruling and reigning. Go to the next slide and we see that that's the pillars that he's doing. The Adamic was a covenant of works. The Noahic was a covenant of grace. The Abrahamic was a covenant of seed. The, the Christ was eventually going to come. The Mosaic covenant was the covenant of law. He, he will Establishes law forever. You can't do away with Christ who is the Word. You'll never do away with the law of God. It's perfect. It's, 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 it's perfected. You can always go to His Word. It's established forever. You can stand upon the promises of this book. Aaronic, the priestly covenant. You have a high priest that is perfect. He is he's established not only uh, not, not on this earth, but in heaven, folks, forever. He has established Himself as our priest. And then you have David today, the Davidic covenant, the covenant of being a king. And these are all the covenants that we're looking at in the Old Testament. And that's going to be the end of the Old Testament covenants. And next week we're going to look at the new covenant. And we're going to look at Christ being fulfilled in all of this. And why, Brad, have you been talking about these week after week? Well, God laid on our heart foundation at the beginning of the year that we have to be on a solid foundation. And I'm going to tell you what, this covenant theology is a solid foundation that people all through the Word of God, these people knew covenant. They understood covenant. Somewhere along the lines in different generations, we lose, we lose, we've lost this. The Puritans understood covenant. Read the Puritan writers. They understood covenant theology. And somewhere along the lines sometimes throughout history, 
it ebbs and flows and we forget this. And those who forget covenant and, and the understanding of covenant are not on a sure foundation because listen, God's word is established. God is a man who cannot lie. What he says he does. It, it, this covenant, if you can understand this, and believe this and have this revealed to you in Christ, you're on a solid rock. You're on a firm foundation. You have an assurance and a surety uh, that God will do what He says He will do. He will keep this. He will keep this. It's not based on you striving and working and, and conniving to appease God. God will keep this. He will. It's established. It's, it's founded on a sure foundation. And the devil wants to keep you struggling in works, in guilt, in condemnation, and he doesn't want you to get this established in your heart, these pillars. He doesn't want you to understand it, and he, and he wants you to not... See, these pillars are established. These are these have bore fruit, and, 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 and he's not going back to do this again. He's established a nation. He has established his word. He has established the temple and mercy. Those things are already established, and now he needs to establish the promise land and the part where we rule and we reign with him forever amen and so that's what he's going to do today he needs to establish the promised land and the rule and reign of David and the line of David which will eventually we know be the son of David by the way Jesus referred to himself a whole lot and mostly when he referred to himself as the son of man or the son of David when he was on this earth he kept calling himself the son of David, the son of David, the son of David. And there's a reason why. And we'll see that a little more clearly today in this. And so they come to the promised land. And something very interesting happens. The, 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 there's two priests that are allowed, or two kings that are allowed, that, that major kings that we see immediately. Israel wants a king, right? They, they want a king. And, and, and so God allows them to choose a king. Now 1 Corinthians 15, 45 says this. It talks about the first Adam being a living soul. And it says this, As so it was written, the first man, Adam, was made a living soul, and the last Adam was made a quickening spirit, speaking of Christ. So you had one that was of the flesh, and you had one that was of the spirit. The same thing begins to be happen. There's a contrast that we quickly see when they come into the promised land. There's something very interesting that takes place. We see two kings that, that, that emerge very quickly. Israel wants a king. God gives them a king. Their first First king is a man that is earthly. He is fleshly. He is, he is, and the second one is, 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 is a, considered a man that I've chosen, a man after my own heart. He's a spiritual man. He's the type of Christ, a, a life quickening spirit. That's what he is. So you, so you have Adam that is the earthly and the fleshly. You have Christ, the second Adam that's coming, and he is the spiritual quickening spirit of God. And then we also see that we have these two kings when they come into the land and you have this earthly king this sensual king and then you have the king that God has chosen to be a man after my own heart and here's what begins to happen that's very very interesting one's fleshly one spiritual same thing with us we at one time man has a covenant with God and that man is fleshly he's of the dust he's earthly we're sinners and the second Adam comes and he's a life giving spirit and he comes and he is the second Adam, the first born, of, uh, born, the first one born among many brethren that would become uh, our spiritual brother and that would come and, and live a perfect life for us on this earth. God becoming a man, the incarnation. God becoming uh, uh, just the, the head, like Adam was the head of the, of the federation of man. The second Adam is the head of man. This one came and brought death. This one comes and brings the gift of grace and eternal life. Amen? And so, Saul is fleshly. Saul is woeful. Saul is rebellious. Saul is concerned with Saul. Saul is concerned with outward appearance. Saul's only concerned with what do people think and, and, and making myself great. And, and, and he's a type of, of, of uh, being king of our own life. 
He's a type of us. Uh, 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 that, that's what to being the king of your own life produces. It produces woefulness. It produces rebellion. It produces concern with only yourself and outward appearance. And God says, I'm rejecting that man from being my king. And here's what's interesting. He doesn't say, I'm rejecting him because he's rebellious, because he's woeful, because of all these things. He says, I'm rejecting this man Saul because he rejected my word. He rejected my word. And God said, I can't do that, anything with this man. And he said, but David, on the other hand, I looked and I sought for a man, David. And David, on the other hand, is a man after my own heart. And here's what he says about David in Psalms 40 and ultimately about Christ. He says, I delight to do thy will, O my God. Yea, your law is written in my heart. I delight, David says, in your word. Such a contrast, these two kings, uh, when they come into this land. Such a contrast to one that wants to rule and reign himself and govern himself like Adam in the Garden of Eden. And, and, and now one who does not want to do that but wants to come under the rule and reign of Christ himself. He wants to be governed by another. He wants God to be over him. He wants to come into the sovereign rule of the king. And, and, and he wants to follow God's work. God's word and that's what you see here a type of a quickening spirit of Christ David is and God says I can do something with this David is submissive David is obedient and David is concerned with the inward qualities David is concerned with what's going on in the inner man and Saul is a type of what David Wilkerson preached one time a great message called the I can do man he preached a message called the I, because we're here all thinking, well, I, you know, I came to Christ. I'm not like Saul. I'm like David. Mm. Well, let me tell you something. We often come to Christ and we, we come and we get saved and we're, we're on cloud nine and we say, God, I surrender my life to you. Oh God, my life's in the dumps. Oh God, help me. If you'll just help me, get me out of the miry clay and out of the pit and put me on a rock to stay. And finally, when God does that and we feel better, we usually just start to just, just take the dust off of me and all the filthiness off of me. And now, hey, thank you, God. Appreciate your help. I got it from here. And it's called the I can do man. And that's what Saul is. And that's the error of Saul. I can do it on my own. Talk this salvation. You know, I take your salvation from you. And then I govern my own life. I make my own decisions. I make my own way. I follow my own rules. I do my own thing, God. I, you know, I'll read more. I'll pray more. I'll study more. I'll do all of these things. And we take the control out of God's hands and take it back in our hands. And walking in covenant, here's what walking in covenant means. It means that we get His provision, we get His power, and we get His presence. That's what God's after. He wants to rule your life. He wants you to come under His rule. He wants you to come under the rule of His son David, the son of David. And he wants, he wants you to take, give up the control of your life and let the sovereign king rule your life. And He will provide the provision. He will provide the protection. He will provide everything that you need in your life if you'll allow Him. And that means things like this. If He tells you you to go to a foreign land and to preach the gospel, then you don't have to worry. You don't have to just strive and say, how will I be supported? You'll be supported because of covenant. You'll be supported because His protection is with you. Your, His provision is with you. His presence goes with you. And that's why David, Saul, is constantly worried about his kingdom. He's constantly striving. He's constantly worried about, hey, watch out for David. He's coming. Hey, get after David. He's going to take the kingdom from me. Hey, watch him Jonathan hey look after him but David never worried about that David is fleeing for his life in the caves and the mountains and the hills but David understands covenant David understands that no matter if Saul's got a javelin coming at my head God is with me if I'm running into a cave I don't have to worry where my next meal is going to come from because God is going to feed me and God is going to protect me and God is going to supply all my needs according to his great riches in glory. And so David is a type of the man who is, who is walking in covenant and Saul is walking in the flesh. He's fearful. He's 
rebellious. He's scheming. And, 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 and David learned this all throughout his life. I mean, one of the greatest places to go back, and I'm not going to do it, but it's in 1 Samuel uh, 17, where David, you can see the covenant so clearly. Anytime you see where the father sends a son in the Bible, you can know it's a prototype of what was to come. Anytime. And David is there, and the battle is heating up down there uh, where in Elon, where they're at. And, and David's father says, hey, David, how about you go and, and check on the brothers and the army, and I'm going to send some cheeses with you. I'm going to send some food with you. And here's what I want you to do for me, David. I want you to give me a pledge and a surety. That's covenant, folks. He, that's covenant language. He wants to make sure that those boys and that army and God's people are going to be okay. Bring me back a pledge. Take them food. Bring me back a pledge that everything is going to be okay. That's what the Father sent the world, Son into the world to do. Go redeem my people and bring me back your blood and secure this people so that I can know that I, my people are secure and safe and have an everlasting promise that, that they can have eternal life. Amen? And so the father sends the son, this little son of Jesse down in there. And you know the story. He fights Goliath. And that, that one rock in that sling is a tight. He didn't need five rocks. He needed one rock. It's called Golgotha. It just, it's, the, it's the power of Jesus Christ. That's all he needed to take down that giant. And he took down that giant. He cut its head off. And, and, he, and he's taking that head back to Jerusalem. And he's showing that, hey, this guy's defeated forever. It's a type of the cross. It's just a type of the covenant and so you see covenant all through the word of God and, and David so David understood covenant and it brings us to a place here in 1 Samuel 20 where you're going to see him really understanding covenant uh, again and then it, by the end of this message we're going to get to the end of David's life where we really see where God establishes this covenant and why David would have already understood all this language about what's going on so look what he says He's chased by Saul, no worries. He, he, he knows that God's going to establish a righteous ruler. It's 1 Samuel 13, 14. The Lord has sought for a man after my own heart. We know eventually that's fulfilled in Jesus when he comes out of the waters of baptism and God says, this is my son, my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And, and we, we see that a man after his heart, that, that's the ultimate David that's coming. That's the ultimate ruler that's coming. This is my son. I've looked for one after my own heart. I look for one who delights to do my will and my word. Oh, there's the word of God. There he is right there. He delights to do my word. He is the word. He is the word made flesh. No doubt he delights to do the will of God. And so this is my son. Hear him. And so David understands this language. He understands what's going on. But let me show you one other place where you'll see that he understood that. And it's found in Samuel 20. And, it, and it's here where David understands covenant even more so. Look at what he says in verse 12. It is the end of verse 12. And he says, this is Jonathan and David. This is a man-to-man -man covenant that's going on here. But I want to show you how in Miro's one you're going to see in Psalms 89 here in a few minutes with David that, 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 that is established. Look at what he says here. And the Lord be with thee as he hath been with my father. Verse 14. And thou shalt not only while yet I live show me kindness of the Lord that I die not. In other words, he's saying, hey, I know you're going to be king. And when you're king, don't kill me. Now we know Jonathan's going to die before this anyway, but, but, uh, but, but, but he, that's what he's saying. When you get, when you, when you, I know you're going to be in the line and when you do show my family favor, because normally what happens if this King gets in, he's going to wipe out that old one to make sure nobody riles up, raises up and, and comes against that. But he, so, so, so Jonathan says, make sure that when you get King, you show me kindness and that I die not. And here's what he goes on to say. But also thou shalt not cut off your kindness from my house forever. No, not when the Lord hath cut off the enemies of David, everyone from the face of the earth. 
So Jonathan made a covenant with the house of David, saying, Let the Lord even require at the, at the hand of David's enemies. And Jonathan calls David to swear again, because he loved him, for he loved him as he loved his own soul. Now, as I said, this is a man-to-man -man covenant between David and Jonathan. David is going to be a type of Christ in the promised land. He's going to come into the promised land. He'll be ruling and reigning. He understands covenant. He, he, that's why he's not shaken. He, 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 he knows that what God makes is unmovable. It's unshakable that God has something in these covenants that are sure and steady and steadfast and you can stand upon them that they're, they're everlasting they're never going to he's never going to break his covenant man may break his sides of covenants God will never 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 break his side of covenant and that's why he comes down to next week just deciding I'm going to covenant with myself I'm going to covenant with my son and he will fulfill everything of the covenant for mankind and so it's awesome it's, it's, it's miraculous that's why you better get out of the covenant of works and totally cast yourself upon Jesus Christ who is the author and finisher of your faith. He is solid. He's everlasting. He's sure. He is steady. He's unmovable. And He is amazing. And that's why the understanding of this covenant brings such foundation into your life to where you become immovable. When you put your trust in Jesus Christ, when you put your trust in the death, burial, and a resurrection of Jesus Christ, you are on solid ground and you can sing that old song, I shall not be moved. I shall not be moved. Amen? I mean, you, you, you cannot be moved because your faith is in something that is sure and it is steady and it is steadfast and it is eternal. And so Jonathan understands this. David understands this. In verse 17, Jonathan says, no, I want an oath from you. And, and here's what Jonathan calls David to swear a second time and the interesting word here of what this word swear or the word oath means here is it means to seven oneself to seven oneself and what he's saying here is show kindness to me 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 and he's saying I want an oath I want you to swear and now I want you to swear again I want you to oath to seven oneself that you will show me kindness and it means to be ratified so tightly that it cannot be broken I'm sevening myself perfection completion it cannot be broken I'm swearing by this seventh because here look only God could there's nobody greater than God and so we that's why we swear on a Bible that's why we swear to something greater than ourselves because there's something greater than us. There's nothing greater than God. He can swear by Himself. Amen? And, and so here Jonathan is saying, I want an oath from you. And I want you to swear and then I want you to swear again that you're going to show me kindness. I want it to be something that's wound so tight this covenant that it cannot be broken. And David says, okay, I'll swear and I'll swear again and I'll seven it that, that it will be ratified. It will not be broken. And then Jonathan's side of the covenant, he takes a robe, he takes his inner robe and he gives it to David which symbolizes sonship, it symbolizes royalty, it means Christ will robe us and cause us to be sons, you are a son, you are adopted in the family of God, then Jonathan gives David his sword, this is my weaponry, this is my power, that's what we said about covenant, my presence will go with you my provision will go with you, my power will go with you, and so he says this is my weaponry, this is the best weaponry there is on the face of the earth. This is the king's sword. And then he gives him his bow. You can reach your enemies when they're a long way off. It's a type of the Holy Spirit that I'll go the distance of any attack with you, David. I'll go to the uttermost parts of the earth. I'll protect you. My presence will be there. My provision will be there. My power will be there. And then it's years later. They cut this covenant and it's years later and David has established himself. Jonathan has, 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 has died and Saul has died. They, they, they were in a battle and they, they died in battle. David has fought. He's fought a lot of military conquests. He's had a lot of victories. And all of a sudden, something dawns on David. 
David, and he says in 2 Samuel 9 and 1, he said, listen, look at what he says. And David said, is there any that is left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? He remembers the covenant. He remembers the covenant. Folks, I, you got to get this. I know it took me three weeks to study this message. I know it's like here and you got to get it into your heart, but you got to see this, folks. You've got to understand that, that here is a man that is that has cut covenant years ago now with this man, Jonathan. And he says, will you show kindness to my family forever? And all of a sudden, David now is in the land. David is ruling and reigning. And David is here in this place. He's a man after God's own heart. And he says, aha, hey, I wonder if there's anybody of the household of Saul. I need to make sure that nobody is left of the household of Saul that I need to show kindness to. And so all of a sudden he sends his servant there to find out if he can show kindness or if there is anybody. And here's what it says in verse 3. And the king said, is there not any of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness of God to him? And Ziba said unto the king, Jonathan hath yet a son, which is lame in his both feet. And the king said unto him, Where is he? And Ziba said unto the king, Behold, he's in the house of Makar, the son of Emil, in Lodabar, which means desert or wilderness or a place where there is no greenery. And then the king sent and fetched him out of the house of Makar, the son of Emil, from Lodabar. Now when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, was coming to David, he fell on his face and did reverence him. And David said to Mephibosheth and he answered behold thy servant and listen to this and David said unto him fear not for I will surely show you kindness for Jonathan thy father's sake and I will restore all the land of Saul thy father and thou shalt eat the bread of my table continually and he bowed himself and said what is thy servant that thou should look upon such a one as a dead dog as I am David is settled in the land he says I remember the covenant. I've got to show kindness because I made a covenant. When he came to kill Saul, the Bible says when they came to kill Saul that this nurse grabbed up Jonathan's son, took off running with Jonathan's son so that they didn't die. Trips or something happens, falls upon this young man Mephibosheth falls on his legs, and all of a sudden he's crippled and lame in both feet. Can I tell you something, folks? We were dropped. We are Adam's race. We fell. We were sinned. Our legs are crippled. We can't get up and get back to God, or much less the king's table. But you have somebody who before the foundation of the world cut a covenant, and he says, oh, I remember there's some people out in the wilderness, and I'm going to go, and I'm going to see if there's some people People that I can show my kindness to and he sends the Holy Spirit to you and he comes and he lifts you up in your lameness and he brings you to the table of the king and folks where you can feast at the table of the king forever you're invited into the royal table and if you lift up the table skirt you'll see that your lameness is there but you're sitting at the king's table And it's only it's not because you read more. It's not because you pray more. It's not because you teach Sunday school. It's not because you sing on the praise team. It's not because you go to church. You're there because one cut a covenant a long time ago and he promised I will show kindness to this one. I will show kindness to these people. I will be merciful to them, not because of anything they've done or how he could run or how he could walk. And so David goes out and he gets him. He sends for him, as I said, and he, and he brings him to the king's palace. And can you imagine the knock on the door when they come to Mephibosheth's house? He's scared. Why is the king here? There's a whole entourage out there. 
But all of a sudden, the, the voice comes, hey, the king's, the king's here. The king's entourage is here. The king's servant is here. And he's come to get you, Mephibosheth. And he's come to take you to the royal palace. And you'll be there forever. You'll have protection. You'll have provision. You'll have everything you could ever need or want for. If you read it, man, go back to the story. David gives him back his land. David puts people out there to farm the land. It's unbelievable. It's so amazing, the kindness that David shows to this man. We have somebody so much greater than David. Our David, the son of David, has promised with his father, Father, if you'll send me into the world, I'll die for them. I'll pay the price for them. And whosoever will believe it in me, they'll come into covenant with us and I'll bring them to glory. Amen? Yeah. Hallelujah. And David, David knew this kind of language. David knew covenant. Go with me to Psalms 89 as we begin to wind down here in a minute. Psalms 89.3 See, David can rest in his soul and some of you need to be able to rest in your souls. Some of you need to rest in your soul concerning your salvation. Concerning these covenants and just what kind of link. That, that, that's what the whole pillars of the old covenant are about. They're to show you the love of God and the great links God went to to save you. And to bring salvation to the world. They're unbelievable. If you get on this foundation, you'll never have to doubt the love of God again. The mercy of God again. The kindness of God again. The atoning grace of God again. It's absolutely phenomenal what God has accomplished through His Son. It's absolutely fabulous. It's, it, 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 it's, it's unbelievable. It should cause you to dance. It should cause you to sing. It should cause you to clap. It should cause you to laugh and leap and dance with joy. It should cause the frowns on your face to turn into smiles and your heart to be gleeful because our God is amazing. God's speaking about David here in Psalms 89.3 and He says, I've made a covenant with my chosen. And he's talking about David, but He's talking more about the son of David. I've made a covenant with my chosen. David knows who He's talking about too. David knows. I've made a covenant with my chosen. I've sworn unto David my servant, Thy seed will I establish forever and build up your, thy throne to all generations. I've made a covenant with my chosen, a person after my own heart. And David says, I'm going to make a covenant with you and I'm going to take your life and your seed and I'm going to build a throne. I'm going to make a covenant. And then God makes an oath just like Jonathan and David made an oath. And it's the same terminology. I'm going to give your seed an oath. And it's, I'm, in other words, I'm going to seven myself to this. I'm going to seven myself to showing you kindness and kindness and kindness and kindness and kindness and kindness and kindness. Establish your throne forever and forever and forever. That's what he's saying. And this is why David's faith will not be shaken. And that's why when we come into the new covenant and you understand it and you give your life to Christ, your faith should not be shaken. You can come to a place like Paul where you say, live or die, I'm the Lord's. Amen? Live or die, I'm God's. And look at verse 19. He says this, Then thou speakest in the vision in thy holy one and said it I have laid help upon one that is mighty I have exalted one chosen out of the people now he's talking about David but he's talking about Christ and here's what he's saying I'm putting all my strength on that person and there is nothing he can't destroy or lift off your life there is nothing he can't lift off your life you talk about drugs you talk about pornography you talk about you talk about uh, lying you talk about cheating you talk about stealing you talk about murdering you talk about unforgiveness you talk about that bitter heart of yours you talking about whatever it is he says this one can lift it off of you i put my strength upon this one upon this king and he can fulfill the covenant amen he shall cry out to me did you not see that in jesus constantly father i don't do anything unless you tell me to do it oh father 
if it be your will. Oh, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. He shall cry unto me, Thou art my Father. And that's what he did with the cross. That's what he did when he prayed. My God and the rock of my salvation. Also, I will make him my firstborn. When he rose from the grave, folks, he, he was the firstborn of many brethren, higher than the kings of the earth. My mercy will I keep with him forever because we've already gotten the covenant of mercy. And of course, I'm going to give you my mercy forevermore. And my covenant shall stand fast with him. In other words, it won't collapse. Even in time of battle, it won't collapse. Even with what you're going through right now in your home and in your family and with COVID-19, it won't collapse. Even when David sinned and fell, the covenant didn't collapse. Even when you blow it and mess up, the covenant doesn't collapse because it's with Christ. My covenant will I not break. Or listen to what he says in verse 33. Nevertheless, my loving kindness will I not utterly take from him, nor suffer my faithfulness to fail. My covenant will I not break or alter the thing that has gone out from my lips. Once I have sworn by it in my holiness, then that I will not lie unto David. He attaches his holiness, his character to the covenant. He says, if I break it, I'm not holy. That's why this is the foundation. That's why you stand on this. That's why we're preaching this week after week after week. Not so you stare like a deer in the headlights. So you press in to know this. You press in to seek this. You press in to, to go home and dig this out. So that you understand it. So in the tests and the storms, nothing can shake your faith. If I break my covenant, I'm not holy. I put my character upon it. I put my nature on this. And then he says, I will not lie to David. And he says in verse 36, His seed shall endure forever and His throne as the sun before me. If the sun comes in the sky every day, then you can know that David's kingdom is established forever. You can know it you can know you can go, hey, and like, just like with Noah, there's a rainbow. I'll never destroy the earth again. Go take a look at the covenant and the rainbow. It's around the throne of God for you to see forever. And, and, and all the, the same thing here. If, I, if that sun falls out of the sky out there, then maybe this is not. But that sun's up in the sky every day you go out there. And just as sure as that sun goes out of there and there are seasons that go by, he said, I can tell you I'm not lying. This covenant and this seed will come through David, that seed that started back there through Abraham that I'm going to redeem and save the nations of the world. That seed is going to come through Abraham, come through Isaac, come through Jacob. He is going to be a man, but he's going to be God and he is going to save the world and he is going to come and he is going to sit on the throne of David not just in Israel, not just in the millennial, not just for Jews, but for Gentiles as well. He will be King of kings. He will be Lord of lords. And the kingdoms of this earth shall become the kingdoms of God and man. And He will rule and reign forever. Amen? Kingdoms of this world shall become the kingdoms of His Christ. And He will rule and reign forever. And He will establish His throne forever. And so we come to the end of David's life in closing. Doug, come on up. And these are the last words. The last words of a dying man are always quite interesting. And here are David's last words. A man who understands covenant, a man who's cut covenant with God. A man who has come into the promised land and this is the man I want ruling and reigning. And from him, from this man will come, will come the seed that will rule forever. That will rule the world. The government will be on his shoulders. You know, we say that at Christmas. His name will be Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of His kingdom and of His government will He establish and there will be no end. 
Look at what he says in 2 Samuel 23, 1. Now these be the last words of David, the son of Jesse, and the man who was raised up on high. The anointed one of God of Jacob and the sweet psalmist of Israel said, The Spirit of the Lord spake to me. In other words, this is the Spirit of God speaking through him. And his word was on my tongue. The God of Israel said, The rock of Israel spake to me. He that ruleth over men must be just, ruling in the fear of God. And he shall be as the light of the morning when the sun riseth, even the morning without clouds, as the tender grass springs up out of the earth by clear shining after the rain. Look at verse 5. Although my house be not so with God. What, what he's saying is his kids have walked away. Look at Absalom. Look at Solomon. Even if my kids aren't doing what they're supposed to do. Even if a line of kings come, then it constantly happened in David's lifetime. Some good, not, some not so good. Even if my kids walk away from this thing, yet he's made an everlasting covenant. He's sevened with me. David knows this language. He knows it. In other words, here's what he's saying. He ordered, he uses the word. He, it is an everlasting covenant. It's been ordered or kept and guarded in all things and is sure. You know what that word? That's the same words used for Adam. Tend, order, and keep the garden, Adam. Keep the covenant. The one command. Guard it. I've given you the tools to guard it. Keep it. If not, bad things are going to happen. Adam, you're the tender, you're the keeper, you're the guarder of this thing, this covenant of works. He broke it. Now we come back down to this same language right here. And here he says, you've made an everlasting covenant with me and you've ordered it, you've kept it, you've guarded it in all things and it is sure, which means it is legal. It's been guarded, it's been protected, it's been looked after. And, 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 and then he says, for this is all my salvation. It's all my desire. This is the desire I've had all the way back in the garden, Adam. This is my desire. My salvation to come to you. I don't know if you've got the depths of that. This is this desire of the heart of God to bring covenant, to protect covenant, to keep covenant, to seal covenant, to legalize covenant, to fulfill covenant, and to bring salvation to you. And he attached his very name to it. His very holiness, his very character to doing this. And he says, David, his descendants will rule forever. And that's fulfilled in Jesus. Jesus now reigns as King of Heaven. He put a ruler over the church in Jesus and then over the world. Kingdoms of this world will become the kingdoms of His God and His Christ. He'll rule and reign forever. And of the increase of His government and of His peace, there will be no end. It's going to be worldwide. Let me read you in Isaiah 55. I don't even know what time it is. Really don't. Not too concerned. Listen to what he says, 55. Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come and buy and eat. It means if your soul is thirsty today, if you're thirsting in your soul for something, because you can't get your soul satisfied with a man, with a woman, with a job, with an engagement, with anything else. He says, Ho, everyone who is thirsty, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come and buy and eat. 
Yes, come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend money for what is not bread and your wages for what does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me. And to eat what is good and let your soul delight itself in abundance. Incline your ear and come to me. Hear and your soul shall live. And I will make an everlasting covenant with you. The sure mercies of David. The sure love that I have for David. I will come and, and, and give to you. Because of the love I have for David. Because of the love I have for this one. Because of the love. And then what's remarkable is you come to the last book of the Bible. What do you think God would write to us at the very, very end of the book? Here's what he says in Revelation 22 and verse 16. I, Jesus, have sent my angel and testify to you these things in the churches. I'm the root of the offspring of David, the bright and the morning star, and the spirit... What did he say? I'm the root and the offspring of David, and the bright and the morning star. And here's what he says. And the spirit and the bride say, Come, and let him who hears say, Come, and let him who is thirsty come. Whoever desires, let him come and take the water of life freely. So Father, I come to You right now, Lord, and I pray. I may not have... I had a lot to cram. I don't know how eloquent that, that was. I hope Your Spirit, Lord, could took, take my feebleness and, and, and somehow illuminate that in people's hearts and minds and let them come to see the truth about Your reigning King over our lives, God. Lord, there is somebody here today, Lord. There are people here today. And they can transfer their allegiance from one kingdom, God. The kingdom of, of Satan or the kingdom of self uh, rule. And Lord, they can come and they can come into the kingdom of your dear son and this world of the kingdom of Christ. They, they can come out of the kingdom of the world and come into the kingdom of Christ. And they can learn the attitudes and the customs of the new kingdom and the new king. They can learn it in church. They can learn it in the word of God. They can learn it from your spirit who will teach them. And Lord, let the rightful king of the world come into our hearts and change our lives. He's willing to come and make amnesty to anyone who will turn and let him come and come under his rule, God. There are some here and they're, they're, and Saul is on the throne of their heart. God, they're their own man. The I can do man took back over. And God, they can do it. They got it. They're, they're tough. And they can pick themselves up by their bootstraps. And you can't work with that. No flesh shall glory in your presence, God. You can only work with a man like David, a man after your own heart, a king, Lord, like that. And so, Father, there are some here today and they need to transfer their, 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 their citizenship to another kingdom. God, a, a kingdom, Lord, where you rule. Wherever the king lives, wherever he comes into, his kingdom is there. And so, God, you want to come and establish your kingdom in the hearts of man. And so, God, today I pray if there's one while we sing that needs to come under your rule and your reign today, God, I pray that they would do that. Lord, your rule and your reign will go forever. And Lord, we just thank you for that, Lord. First, the Lord, we're seeing things spiritually done now, and soon we'll see it naturally. We'll see it, God, in Jerusalem. We'll see where you will reign. Lord, you will reign out of Jerusalem, God, no doubt about it, in the millennial. And God, you'll reign forever when you bring a new heaven and a new earth. And so, Father, speak to us today. Change our lives. Draw people by your presence, God. Let them come in to the surety of the covenant, God, that in Christ we're safe, we're secure, and all these covenant promises have been met and achieved for us. And whoever is thirsty today, spiritually, they're lost. They're in Lodabar. They can't get back to you because they're lame from the fall. They're crippled. There's nothing they can do to please you. We failed in our covenant of works. We failed in all these other things. But you fulfilled it. You're prophet, priest, and king. And you're sending your spirit today to knock on the door of their heart now. And say, come, come Mephibosheth. I've come to get you and take you to the royal palace. I've come to take you out of your wilderness and out of Lodabar. I'm here to show kindness to you, not because of your strength or your power or anything you've done. Just come with me. Whosoever will, let him come. He who doesn't have money, let him come and buy. Let him come and eat. Let him come and drink that which Christ offers today. Hallelujah.